Stacy. Hello, Rich. <laughs> How's this better? It's... Do we have some signal so we can communicate? <laughs> so far, so good. Communication is good. That makes me happy. That's usually the uh, a good sign for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Communication is the same. Sometimes the things that we say doesn't necessarily match up with the reality of what's going on inside, wow. which is actually part of what we see in Acts chapter eight. And that that came early today. <laughs> There's only a ten <laughs> minute one, right so we gotta move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. As we're as we're looking at it, we're you know, kind of moving along with it, and we saw this. Um, transition last time as the persecution that happened to the church in Jerusalem actually drove them out of Jerusalem, which spread the gospel further, like the dandelion seeds flying through the air. Same kind of a thing as God had ordained as a tool, the same things that that the devil was using as a weapon. And we saw that, that dynamic of God's sovereignty uh, even when we don't get it in our suffering, that he's constantly active in our hardship. And then as it spreads out from Jerusalem, now it's out in Samaria and different areas throughout uh, Judea and Samaria. Um, Philip, the evangelist, kind of takes the, the stage here. He's one of the seven uh, deacons that, that would be called deacons later, but uh, one of the seven who are in charge of the physical needs ministry while the 12, the apostles, handle um, other other issues of uh, ministry of the word and prayer. And we had already seen Stephen, a man full of faith and uh, the Holy Spirit, display God's grace and power in the midst of persecution uh, and was put to death. But for him, he was gaining life. He, he got to be in the presence of the Lord. Well, now Philip, one of the other uh, six that were chosen. Um, now he is out spreading the good news. He has uh, been teaching Jesus, healing, uh, doing these wonderful uh, works that are manifestations of the Spirit, confirming this uh, new shift in this new covenant. And as they're adding in new people groups, that becomes a very important thing to confirm uh, what's happening here. And what we really see is kind of a tale of two responses to that. You know, it's kind of like a tale of two cities, but a tale of two responses. Uh, and as, uh, as we're encountering these next two vignettes, it, it's kind of the best of times and the worst of times and that the gospel is being spread and the people in Samaria are responding to it. And it, it, uh, it has such an effect that there's this guy who has, kind of dominated the area and, and ca- captured the attention and the hearts of the people there. Uh, his name's Simon Magus, or, or Simon the Sorcerer, uh, and he had um, kind of gained this reputation, even the nickname of, of the great power of God, that this is a godlike individual because he was able to mystify them. It, with it was his sorcery, nickname in high school. Whether those are... <laughs> it was his nickname in high school. Um, so whether these are things that are being performed by demons uh, in, in a spiritual way or whether they're tricks or whatever else. He's portraying this, um, this powerful 
sorcerer's image and the people are following him. They're all caught up in it. Gospel comes, then the then they get um, this overwhelming response to the truth of the gospel that in the message that Philip is preaching, and they are drawn away from these these magical tricks, these sorceries that uh, Simon is doing, by the power of, of Philip's action under the Holy Spirit. Even Simon himself then accepts the message and is baptized. Well, with all this that's going on, they have uh, Peter and John come down from Jerusalem to uh, kind of oversee what's happening in Samaria as representatives of the apostles to bring um, the, the new church's authority to them, essentially. And when they get there, they see that, that the people who are there They've, they've been baptized, they've been identified with Christ, and there's a kind of a confusing thing where it talks about they had not yet uh, received the Holy Spirit, the Spirit had not come on them. And from what we read elsewhere in Scripture, we see that when you are in Christ, when you belong to Christ and you make that transition, then you have the Spirit of Christ. If you don't have the Spirit of Christ, then you don't have Christ. So the Holy Spirit is in them in that uh, if we if we can refer to the Old Testament in that still small voice that that presence inside, but the manifest gifts of the Spirit, like we see in Acts chapter two, hadn't occurred uh, with them. Well, when Peter and John come, they lay their hands on them, and these spiritual gifts then are manifest in powerful ways. These attesting miracles start to to show up. So presumably that means it, you know if we make that comparison uh, that they very likely may have been speaking in, in tongues and foreign languages or who knows what, but they're demonstrating in a powerful, uh, observable way these gifts of the Holy Spirit. After the uh, apostles lay their hands on them. And Gosh, here he comes. <laughs> hey, Oliver, how are you? Um, and so that happens, and, and Simon who has been baptized and identified with Christ is like, dude, I want some of that action. Let me, let me buy this power from you. Let me give you some money and you can pass this on to me so that when I lay my hands on people, they'll be able to do these things too. This is the most powerful sorcery I've seen. So I want to, I want to buy in, which it doesn't take a big jump to see how that might relate to some of the, you know, right, right, prosperity right. televangelist things that we've seen any number of different cult-like behaviors and activities. Well, Peter sort of goes off on him. Maybe that's a crass way of saying it, but but Peter's like, you have no part of Christ, of this ministry, of the gospel. Your heart is filled with bitterness and sin, and you know, you, you're condemned by God um, because you thought that the Holy Spirit is something that could be bought and sold. You clearly don't get this. And, you know, he's like, please pray for me that, that these terrible warnings that you give me will happen to me. Well, cut from that, it's interesting that it, the, the text leaves it there, too. The, so as they're going through it, there's, they don't respond, at least not in what's, what's recorded. So for Luke's purposes, in recording this in the book of Acts, we kind of just get left with Simon in fear saying, please save me from the wrath of God, basically, and cut scene. They're, they, don't, they don't deal with them anymore. 
But Philip, then we see uh, preaching. He he gets this call from the Holy Spirit um, in response to. You know, not in response. That's not the right thing. Uh, he responds to the Holy right. Spirit's call. That's where my mind was trying to go, but my <laughs> my uh, senility is set in. So, um, and, and the Spirit calls him to, to travel this road. He travels this road, finds a chariot, uh, runs up on this chariot, sees this Ethiopian eunuch. He's a government official of some some rank. He's in, in charge of uh, the treasury of, of Candace in some translation, or of the Kandaki, the, the uh, queen of the Ethiopians. And so he gets up there, and the guy's actually reading the Hebrew Bible. So he's like, do you understand what you're reading? And he's like, how am I going to understand it if somebody doesn't explain it to me? So he gets into this conversation with him. The guy's actually reading Isaiah 53 about the suffering servant. By his stripes we are healed. Uh, that He's taking the punishment for our iniquities. And, and so Philip explains it to him and, and lays out the gospel. And this Ethiopian eunuch is just overwhelmed and, and so he receives this message and he says you know hey there's some water here what what would prevent me from being baptized into the name of christ and philip said if you believe this with your whole heart maybe he's checking in after you know because he baptized simon so maybe he's right like saying, i don't want to go through that again but uh, if you believe this with your whole heart absolutely we can baptize you so he does he uh, um, and, and as he comes up out of the water, the spirit spirits him away and, and takes him uh, somewhere else off to this other location. And what we see is a contrast between these two um, responses to the gospel, one responding in, in what appears to be all the right ways. And he follows Philip. And as long as he keeps following Philip, you know, he seems to be um, uh, Simon seems to be. Uh, focused in on what's going on and, and acting right. But what he's really apparently drawn to is the power. Right. The same stuff that drew him into his sorcery, he's just seeing a better option. The, the Ethiopian eunuch, who already has power and rank, so to speak, you know, as in his own position, he's grasping this suffering servant. And I don't think it's insignificant that as we see this, that, that it's pointed out to us that he's reading, um, he's reading that portion of Isaiah, because Simon is seeing this potential prosperity. The eunuch sees the suffering. There's two different paths, and as as they get uh, both of them responding to the gospel, one of those responses is a true confession from the heart embracing the hard road and the suffering of the Messiah. The other uh, seems to be a profession from the mouth, but not a confession from the heart, according to what Peter and John are saying here. He, he just wants the... He wants a piece of, he wants a piece the of the pie. Of of... Yeah, yeah. Right. He wants the Christianity package, but he doesn't necessarily see Christ. And so there's, there's some... Uh, lesson for us to to see in that philip does still baptize him he doesn't try to determine whether this guy uh, right. is sincere or not it was simon he you know he pushes a little farther perhaps than he did when he gets to the ethiopian i don't i don't know what the conversation was with simon because the script the scripture doesn't tell us but 
but as all these people are being baptized, we see Philip baptizing someone who mm-hmm. apparently is not fully converted, not regenerate, uh, which is an ease to my conscience as a pastor because I've had a lot of people that I've sat down, I've talked with them, I've walked with them, and, and, and you know they seem to be fully converted to Christ. And yet, not long after their baptism, or in some cases quite a while after yeah. their baptism, they walk away. They, they turn their back on the gospel. And they may still give lip service to it, but right. their lives show otherwise. And if that's if, if Philip can handle can go through that same kind of thing, then we as contemporary pastors today, um, we don't we don't always know. That's something that the Lord knows. But that's not our servant to judge. We judge the fruit. We do the best that we can. We we give the truth. But sometimes Jesus said there were there are tares sown in among the wheat. We have unconverted people uh, who are even among the church, and often the devil has sown them there. The enemy has planted them, and they look like Christians, but they aren't Christians. And eventually, the two different spirits... uh, Well, we will will stop there for today because we're over time, but I'm interested in talking more about this next week. Um, as always, uh, be sure to check out our Facebook and uh, YouTube pages on Sunday mornings uh, at 10.04 for our sermons as we're still going through this uh, time of social distancing. And it looks like it might be for longer than we anticipated uh, in Michigan. The stay-at-home order just got extended. So this is our norm for at least a little while longer. Um, yeah. <laughs> But uh, we talked about it the other day. At, we had a, a, a Zoom meeting, and we, you know, we talked about uh, st- staying connected, however we can. And um, you know, I, I feel at least, uh, you know, on Sundays we can get together virtually. It's better than nothing, and it still it feels nice to see people check in or wave or say hello or say amen or whatever. So, um, if you haven't been checking those out yet, uh, be sure to do that. And, you know, let us know you're there. We're we're all still a family and we'll stay connected through this. And uh, as always, if you have any questions or comments about what we're talking about, feel free to leave us a message here. Send us an email at somethingreal at reallifeonline.org or shoot us a message on Facebook and we will get back to you. This is our – go ahead. Amen. Just a side note, you did mention the the voicemail, and I know that some folks had a little – struggle you know when i tried to do that had a little struggle um getting that to work right if somebody um has trouble getting that voicemail through anchor but would still like to leave us a voicemail um you can always call real life community church at uh 269-756-RLCC and all right sounds good uh so yeah we'll leave it there for tonight this is the uh evening edition of something I'll use I'll use my uh, NPR voice. So thank you guys for tuning in and we'll catch you later. Thanks, Rich. Thank you.